0: Greetings and welcome to the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is a long-form podcast where I sit down with guests and we just have a conversation. Now, these conversations are not scripted. They are raw and real. There's no editing. So wherever they go, they go. So hopefully you guys will enjoy the conversations as much as I know that I will. Today's episode is brought to you by nobody. Because let's be honest, nobody likes to hear ads. We all just put up with it because we think we have to. Well, you know what? I decided let's not do that for the time being and see how we get along. So let's get into what we all came here for, the actual episode. All right, folks, today we have a special treat for you. We got two of my boyos from the gym with us, Mr. Preston Russ and Mr. Josh Worley. And I wanted to have a conversation about stoicism. And Stoicism is something that I've come across recently, uh, rec- honestly, just on videos on YouTube that have seemed very interesting to me, and I've watched a handful of them, and I've been very interested by it, and I definitely wanted to talk more about it on the show, and this is something that Preston had looked into, and I know that I had talked to uh, Josh about it at the gym as well. And And he's a very introspective guy and likes to have interesting conversations. So I thought it'd be fun to have him on the show and kind of bounce off Preston and I. And and it was just, it was a good time. And it was, it was something that they definitely knew more about it than I do. But obviously none of us are experts. This is just, um an introduction more for me and then obviously they've looked into it a little bit but they're certainly not experts by any means so please you know don't think that we're trying to tell you this is exactly what stoicism is this is just kind of their journey through it and then me wanting to learn more about it but we definitely had a great conversation hopefully you guys will enjoy so please sit back strap in and enjoy our conversation. Greetings, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hess, and today we have some jujitsu boyos with us, Mr. Preston Russ. Ooh, yeah. And a new guest with us, Mr. Josh Worley. What's going on? And uh, Preston, I hate to say it, but I was looking forward to you being one of our new favorite guests, and then
1: I found out you were moving. What's going on? Yes, yes, moving to Tennessee. So... You know, uh, that's, that's the wife's family is from that area, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you going
0: down there to be close to family with the small kids and everything.
1: Yep. You know, we did the podcast on me and my wife and our relationship and how that's, uh, you know, gone over the years and 10 years of dragging her all over the world for the last, you know. However long, last decade or so. Well, I
0: don't know if Japan was dragging. I mean,
1: <laughs> well, you know, you got the chance to possibly play on the women's national team, so, or go to Japan. And it's like, oh, I, I mean, know,
0: how could she cool. give up the chances of chasing, you know, sports, you know, wonderment or achievements and all those kind of good things for, you know, for for, for this, you know, precious face? I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all the mustache. <laughs> the mustache. <laughs> the mustache. Uh, no, so, you know, 10 years of traveling around the world it's time for us to to get back around her family Is your family close to here? Yeah, so my family's in southeast Ohio. Okay. Uh, so still ties you, up here? Cuz you came up here originally for work. Yes. And yes.
0: then now that's kind of like a little bit more open.
1: Yeah, I'm 100% remote, yes. so it's like,
0: oh, which let's... is the nice thing of what's happening in the last couple of years is that yeah. it gives the people a chance to realize, hey, I don't have to live here for work now, I can live anywhere. Bingo. Which is very cool. So, well, we'll be sad to see you go because, like I said, I was looking forward to you being yep. a very regular guest as we've had some great conversations. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm sorry to see you go. But <laughs> we'll obviously have some uh, podcasts when you come back. And then maybe sometimes when I'm down in Kentucky, we'll uh, have you uh, drive up and we'll do some stuff there, too. Because I plan to go down there hunting for some bourbon as you and yeah. I are sitting here drinking some
1: bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we can definitely uh, do some bourbon trail podcasts. That'd Absolutely. And then
0: uh, first time we're on the podcast, Mr. Worley. That's, That's it. Why don't you give uh, the folks a little bit of a background of kind of who you are, where you came from, where you grew up, sports you did, anything like that?
2: Sure. Um, born in Youngstown in August 1996. About a month later, the parents moved to Green, which is a suburb of Akron. My mom was not very into living in the Youngstown area. No, I think Green so, is a good upgrade from Whitehead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. when well, it wasn't even properly Youngstown, it was Gerard which I guess is a suburb that is not one of the better suburbs of Youngstown. I don't know if there's a
0: good suburb in
2: Youngstown. Yeah, there's some areas in the Youngstown area that are all right, but yeah. So There might be there, like some gated houses, but there's probably yeah, there's not even communities yeah, there. Yeah. So yeah, then I just grew up in green. Um, growing up, I kind of bounced around between a couple different sports. I played basketball, I think at the Y one year when I was real little. I played baseball here and there. I played a couple years of football. Um and then I actually joined cross country my sophomore year of high school. It's very
0: different than the other sports.
2: Yeah. And at the time too, I was well, I'm five eight now, so it was maybe five six, five seven, and probably not too off, too far off from two hundred twenty pounds, so it was pretty heavy. And the only reason I did it was because I wanted to get out of marching band. Okay. I was in band, which I enjoyed kinda But really why I was in band was because if you were in band, you could be in the little jazz band programs they had. Okay. And that's what I liked because I was starting to get into playing guitar more seriously. And what instrument
0: did you play for the band there if you're looking for the jazz band?
2: I played trombone. Okay. I always wanted to play the saxophone. I always thought it was kind of a cool shape. It looked like a J. Yeah. So it felt like my initial. And I always loved like whenever we went to the city and there'd be someone somewhere out there on a sidewalk just like kind of freestyling on it a is saxophone certainly a it very sounded cool, instrument. cool so do you play sax now no uh. <laughs> i i've thought about it before i've thought maybe i should just go back and get one now and yeah start but like, learn, what but. the problem with
0: that is is like when do you play right because i've got a yeah. friend uh, he and his wife are very into playing in a in a band uh i think he plays the french horn i think she plays the trumpet i don't remember exactly um but then they, they can only really play for like a small orchestra because yeah. there's no really other ways to play, and that's I what I love about the town
1: we're going to. You go down to Beale Street in Memphis. Oh, oh yeah, folks are playing There's at, such good music. And it's yeah. so cool. You know, you talk about the the guy playing sax on the side of the road, and it just sounds amazing. And you just stand there on the street and listen to it for thirty minutes. Yeah, there's like there's, like there's a, kind of two places you uh, think
0: of when you think of like street music. You think of Memphis, and you think of Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. Like at least you think New Orleans, really, yeah, is what yeah. you think. Uh, but so that's interesting. But it's 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 funny because. Like I've been talking to my daughter about this, you know, cause she plays the trumpets and now that she's off in college, she's not, doesn't really have a band to play for. She kind of plays with a pep band here and there, but she's gotten so busy with school that she doesn't really have time for a lot of that kind of stuff. And I keep telling her, if you want to play outside of that, you've got to learn a new instrument. You've got to learn the piano or the guitar or, or something different to be able to play in bands to actually get out there and actually play music. Cause if not, like your only other choice really is to try to find like a small orchestra and most places
2: it doesn't really exist. Yeah, it would really only exist in cities for the most part. I mean, I didn't even realize this until the other day. Apparently, there's like some sort of symphony orchestra in Akron. Oh, yeah. I'm and so, I've been I'm sure in the Akron area, and I, of just, of... I, just, I just saw an ad on the side of the bus. I'm like, I didn't yeah. even realize we had but one. But those
0: things are such niche things that they're almost yeah.
2: impossible to find. That's what I'm saying is like, yeah.
0: it, it's very difficult. Whereas if you play other instruments, like your brother, yeah. you can play in lots of different bands and do all kinds of different stuff, which is great.
2: Yeah, and then another thing for me is it's like, so now guitar has been the one that I've, I was real serious with it in high school and I took lessons and then college I kind of dropped off and the couple years since I graduated I've been kind of going through I have spurts where I start to get pretty good again and then I kind of drop off for a month and then I kind of have to start over again so I've got guitar and then I've been kind of dabbling in mandolin I heard Battle of Evermore by Led Zeppelin like years ago and I thought it was really cool And so I was like, wow, that's really neat. And I got a mandolin. Then I started listening to like bluegrass music. (laughs) I started listening to like Ricky Skaggs. And I'm like, man, that is, it's a totally different way. So cool. Yeah. Well, and I got a banjo then recently, because I always thought the banjo was cool. And the banjo is so... Everyone makes jokes about it. It's like the butt of everyone's joke, but oh, yeah. I think it's deliverance one of the coolest set, set
1: the banjo up for that. So. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, everyone they hear banjos, <laughs> it's like that whole joke like if you have ban hear banjos paddle faster. <laughs> but <laughs> Thank like, you, deliverance. Yeah. It has <laughs> it has an interesting history. I was reading about it kind of developed from slaves from Africa made stringed instruments where they would like stretch animal hide and that's kind of like the origin of the drum head on a banjo as we have it today. So it kind of has an interesting history that I didn't even realize. So so all that to say, it's like I've got kind of a couple instruments right now I kind of dabble in. And I'm not really satisfied with where I am with any of them. But then I think... But well, it's
0: like anything else. If you don't put in the tens of thousands of hours of practice, yeah, exactly. you're never
2: really going to go anywhere. So then it's like, do I want to add another instrument? Not just... You know, going from guitar to mandolin or banjo, at least they're all stringed instruments and they're kind of tuned the su- at same least it's way. it's similar, yeah. Now I'm going to jump into saxophone and go from trying to learn bluegrass on a banjo to like smooth jazz on a saxophone. It's like, oh my gosh, that'd be really starting over. So, but yeah, so, but yeah, in band I played trombone and then I joined cross country and- To get out of the marching band. it to get out all of the right. marching band, but all so right. I a, it's could also- It's a flex, but yeah. I did All all right. <laughs> um, And that actually, that was really good for me. It kind of helped me get on my shell a bit socially, and then I dropped about forty pounds by the end of high school. That'll do that to you, running every day. Yeah, I really, I don't run that much anymore. Though it's what a five
0: k, it's three point one miles, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, Except we had one meet where the course was only two point eight miles, and someone came up to like, "Whirly, you pr?" would I was like, "Yeah, I pr." It's It's a shorter distance, (laughs) asshole. (laughs) They they clipped like a bit of the mile off there. So, but uh, yeah. Other than that, um, I went to Bowling Green for the first two years, wound up transferring and finishing my bachelor's degree at Kent State in communication studies. Uh, after that, I got a job for a couple months I didn't really like where I am now. I sell kind of commercial HVAC stuff. So that's been interesting, an interesting learning experience, a lot of stuff I didn't even know existed. But um, I'm liking that I uh, while I was at Kent State. Um, and kind of this long journey of faith, I guess. And I wound up converting to Orthodox Christianity, which is real different from anything I was raised in. So that's been kind of an interesting experience. And uh, What were you raised in? I was raised going to Faith Family Church in North Canton, which is like a kind of non-denominational church. Okay. So it's very contemporary and a different kind of whole, totally different theological outlook. But um, yeah, so that what? kind of...
1: What caused you to, or what drove you to uh, Orthodox?
2: I don't know if there was one thing in particular. Um, basically, when I got my license, my parents were very um Your driver's of, license? Yeah, my driver's license. My parents were supportive of me, like, kind of going off on my own, like, on a Sunday morning to a different church if I wanted to. So I had a friend in high school whose mother was a Methodist pastor. I went to that church for a bit. And then I kind of wasn't really feeling it anymore. I started going to a Lutheran church that was a little more liturgical and traditional and everything. And from there, I thought about making the jump to Roman Catholicism, did kind of a deep dive into church history. And I don't know, I felt more moved to Orthodoxy. Um, this, there's all kind of different angles. I kind of came at it from, but it just seemed like when I went there, everything kind of clicked. Everything that I had thought of maybe intuitively or maybe I was seeking or I thought I was seeking, like, I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe, but I think everything, it just felt like it made sense. I felt like I didn't have to kind of jump through hoops in my mind or try to like really wrestle with stuff it's like i'd hear it explained i think okay that makes sense to me it didn't seem like people were trying to explain their way out of things which was something i kind of ran into a bit with it's pretty common in a lot
0: of religious backgrounds and all the different sects that is christianity of course because i mean we we don't we're not gonna get into this right now but we could probably have a whole other podcast Mm -hmm. on like the idea of religion we have like on the show before but we might like uh, get into it again with, with you if you want to, I have I have some other friends who know a lot more about the different religions than I do, and have studied a lot more of the different uh, basically schisms of what is Christianity and all that kind of stuff. Um, well, that's interesting. Um, but moving forward, we'll, we'll come back to that in probably a little bit because sure. uh, I think it kind of ties into what we want to talk about today, uh, which is why I kind of asked you before <laughs> if yeah. it was okay if we talked about it. Because some yeah. people are freaky about that, but mm-hmm. I, I find I find these to be the most fun and entertaining. Uh, conversations but a lot of people will say you know stay away from politics and religion and you know uh, relationships and all that kind of stuff i'm like that's the only shit that's meaningful <laughs> that's the yeah. only fun stuff to talk about like, what, what nonetheless all right so we all know each other obviously from the gym from jiu-jitsu true art jiu-jitsu in Fairlawn, ohio if you want to go to the best jiu-jitsu gym in northeast ohio soon to be all of ohio i always keep telling coach uh,
2: <laughs> what got you involved in jiu-jitsu uh well for a short time growing up, I did taekwondo. I'm not exactly certain why I stopped. I think my parents asked me, and I was kind of indifferent to it. So they were like, "Well, you know, it's not exactly cheap. So if you're not really that into yeah, it, it's we're not going to keep paying commitment. for it." Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of the end of taekwondo. And but kind of for the rest of growing up, I thought I'd like to get into something again. And I always figured taekwondo just because I was familiar with it. So then. About it within a year or so after I graduated college and I was working, so I had a little more disposable income and a little more free time, I figured out I'm going to kind of start looking into some different martial arts now. And uh, actually, my brother had a friend that got him into it. And so as I told my brother that I was looking at different martial arts, he was like, well, why don't you come and check out jujitsu with me? And I had heard of it, but I didn't really know what it was. So I tried to get online and read a little bit so, about so it. So was he already training with Coach Hannon? Yeah, he had been training for, I don't know, four, five, six months, somewhere in there. Okay. He had been training for close to probably half a year when he invited me, and I went to, I think, a Wednesday night class and stayed for a bit of open mat. And I went to a couple classes, and I was like, I don't really understand what this is, but it seemed kind of interesting. And I figured the schedule worked especially, too. The class times were really good. It's like, well, it's kind of good on the practical side like that. So then I was talking to coach. and He was like, what do you think of this, Whirly?" Like, I don't know. It's kind of interesting, though. I'm like, it kind of reminds me of wrestling. He's like, oh, a little bit. And so after a couple of classes, my brother was like, what do you think? And I was like, "It's interesting. I've never really seen anything like this, but I I enjoy it. And he kind of gave me this pep talk, like, just stick with it. Don't be kind of weirded out. I know you're probably getting used to everything, but, you know, there were times where I thought maybe this wasn't for me. And then I stuck with it. Now, looking back, I'm glad I did. It's like, all right. So then after one of the classes, I went up to coach after. And I'm like, all right, what do you say I make it official? I think I'll sign up. He's like, all right, Worley. So we got all set up. And I started going f- at first to the Tuesday, Thursday classes. and then
0: Which for us is like a, the adult class. It's an yeah. hour and a half class where there's – Usually some drilling for about an hour to 45 minutes and then sparring for 45 minutes to a half an hour of whatever's left of class. Yeah. Which are are the tougher classes. Yeah. Because then for us, Monday, Wednesday are fundamentals.
2: And that's what I've been going to more recently, I think is – it's kind of interesting. I, I change it up depending on how the week shakes out. Sometimes I'll go Monday, Thursday. So I'll get a little bit, I'll go for the Nogi class on Monday, stay for fundamentals. And then if things are kind of busy earlier in the week, I take care of whatever it is I have on my plate. And then I go to Thursday night and then maybe if I can, I'll go to the Saturday um, adult class as well. So, um, but I don't know, it seemed, I think one of the issues and not to kind of throw shade on other kind of disciplines, but. One of the issues that I was running into was I felt like a lot of the other martial arts, it was hard to find a good school. Or if you could find a school, like a good school, it was kind of far away. Like there were, there everything around you was like Taekwondo. But it seemed like it was, I don't know, like where people basically just show up for a certain amount of time and then you get promoted. Yeah. It's, it was it's kind, kind of like a uh, dojo. It's kind of like you know? the people that I used to uh, work with who were like, it was
0: uh, her and her uh, – I don't know if it was a husband at the time or fiance or whatever. Her husband now. Um, like, She's like, oh, yeah, we did uh, Taekwondo in college. Like, yeah, we're, we're both black belts. I'm like, really? Like, how long did you do it for? It's like, oh, two years. I'm like, <laughs> oh, really? Because if you're there for two years and you're a black belt, that's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, to be a good black belt in any kind of martial art is going to be what? Eight, ten, sometimes 12 years? I'd say that's probably
2: pretty average. Yeah. And that's that was kind of the realization I had is it's just like a lot of the other schools, it seemed too easy. And like the whole meaning of martial arts, which is a very broad kind of idea, very abstract, but the whole meaning was kind of lost. It was like people were just going and trying to get a black belt because they wanted a black belt. And like that whole kind of personal journey of getting to something different and getting uncomfortable and growing in yourself and challenging yourself was almost played down a bit. Um, so there was almost an element of like necessity in that true art was very rigorous and difficult, especially compared to yes, coach to some has of the, very high standards, yeah, so I was like, Well, you know what? I kind of have a number of different options, but it was really only one that was tenable was training a true art, so I was like, well, I'll give it a shot. I've never really encountered this at any time before, but um, so it's been going on three years now since i started there have been little times here and there i had to take some time off or that's part of life because as yeah we're all
0: hobbyists you know none of us do this for a living we all go to work all day and we go to the gym afterwards if we have time and most of us like anything else we have to carve out time in our lives because we all only have so much time so you have to make it a priority so yeah but again we're all hobbyists so there's times where life gets in the way and you got to focus on that you know that's just how it goes Yeah.
2: Well, there were like, what was it, three or four months where the gym was closed, right when it was COVID kind of ramped up. Two, maybe
0: three months closed with air quotes. Well, (laughs) there there may or may not have been some training going on inside the gym to a very select group of upper belts who got really, 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 really fucking good in that time because (laughs) they all just only had each other to fight. Um, But yeah, I think uh, officially to everybody else, the the gym was closed for two, maybe three months, and it was that time that I realized like how much I missed human interaction because I came off of Olympic weightlifting and my career took a shit. And I had like a year off and I was playing a bunch of different sports and doing a bunch of things that I hadn't done because I was focused on weightlifting. I gave them all up to go whole hog and put everything into weightlifting. So I was doing a lot of those kind of things. And then a buddy at my old office, uh, he got involved with jujitsu for a few months and he started to talk about it at work and I got excited again because I had trained for... Uh, about a year, uh, like a couple years prior, when I was still lifting. And excuse me, but I was only going like once a week because I was still lifting. So it was like, I wasn't really retaining the information. It wasn't really worth my time. It was like, okay, I'm going to take a break from this for right now. But then when he got back into it, kind of got me excited again. That's what kind of got me back in the door. And ever since then, that's kind of been my main focus, realizing, okay, what was it uh, Tim? Tim Kennedy came out and basically said, "Yeah," like, on a YouTube video. It was like, "You can't train like a bitch and expect to be a badass." And I was like, "Ouch, that one hurts." So <laughs> I'm gonna get my bitch ass back in the gym. Here we go. So got got to focus on something, you know. Yeah. But when when Coach shut the gym down, I would I've been going again for three or four months at that point, and then everything shut down because of lockdowns with the COVID and all that kind of bullshit. And I was like, I fucking miss being competitive. I miss doing something hard. I miss seeing all the guys. I didn't realize how much I missed getting hugged. Even if you're trying to kill me, like you're still (laughs) hugging me. It's like, I didn't realize how much of that that I missed.
1: Yeah. You missed to a point where like Neptune Brown and I were finding spots to put puzzle mats down just to go train for a little I, mean, time. I,
0: I think I literally 20. texted Coach, yeah. a brand new person, been there for like three or four months, like, hey, I'd be interested in privates or small groups or anything. Like, I would love to get some training back in because at that time, like, I was still going to my old office. So I was still at least seeing people on a day-to-day basis because I live alone. You know, but so it's like if I was, I was stuck at the house all day every day after work, and it was like, I'm going fucking crazy not seeing people not doing stuff. It was – all the bars were closed. That's where I could see all my friends. I didn't realize how much of an alcoholic I was at that point. I was <laughs> like, this is what I do. Like, when I go see my friends, we drink. Yeah, You know, I don't do it very often. Like, maybe a couple times a month. You know, but it's like, that's what we do. Yep. So, it's like, as I just, I didn't realize how much of all that I missed. So, when it was closed, it was, it was heartbreaking for me. When he opened back up, I'm like, fuck yeah. I will be there the first day to support you. Because at that point, we weren't technically allowed to be open yet. The health department could have come up and shut us down, which they would have been met by a bunch of sweaty dudes in geese, or like like, like I call them the pajamas, <laughs> as they walk in the door, like, you need to shut down. Oh, really? <laughs> Why don't you make us? <laughs> yeah. No. no. but Very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, today we wanted to talk about stoicism, and I specifically wanted to talk to both of you guys, because we've talked a little bit in the gym about some different things, and you seem uh, very... Very intuitive, and also like, you, like you like to think through things. It seems like, and we've had some fun conversations, and you've and you've mentioned before that you've looked into it, and then Preston, obviously, you've looked into it as well. We've talked about it a little bit on some previous podcasts, obviously outside of the the uh, podcast you and I, and it's like it's something that I want to learn more about, and obviously this isn't a introduction to Stoicism for everyone or this isn't the, the be-all, end-all. It's like, no, it's like it's me being curious and wanting to talk to some people who have some more background in something that I'm very curious about. And uh, I've been reading more – well, not reading. I've been listening to YouTube videos essentially because I've kind of found for me I'm more of an auditory learner and I do much better with podcasts like uh, books on tape or uh, for me, like old school CDs I listened to for years in my car, which they don't do that now. Now they're all MP3 downloads and all that kind of stuff. But for years and years and years, I've always listened to that kind of stuff and I've enjoyed myself. And and recently, the stoicism has just been popping up. And I don't really know where it's come from or why it's been in my feed or what have you, because it's not like I went out looking for it. It's just kind of like, showed itself. And I was, I've been listening to some videos, and it's been interesting. And uh, the one thing, I was, I was trying to find it this morning so I could refresh my memory, but I couldn't find the specific video that I was looking for as I was spending a little bit of time this morning listening to some videos on the Stoicism. And um, uh, at one point, I watched this video where it said that there was, there was two main paths in society. And basically, that was religion or atheism. Like, so it's like you either believe in a deity and religion and all that kind of stuff or you fucking don't. And there was like really no middle ground. And, and the idea that they had said in this video is that whoever invented Stoicism essentially was like, hey, I want a third path. Where it's, it's not really religion, but it's not atheism. It's not all that kind of stuff. It's, it's a different way to kind of live your life with principles and that kind of stuff. Cause me, I grew up with a very religious family being forced to go to church and do all that kind of stuff. And I hated it. And about, about age 10, I was like, this isn't for me. I'm old enough to stay home now. My parents gave me the option. I'm like, deuces. I'm out. Like, like, I'm good. And then the more that I've read and learned about religion uh, through my 20s and into my 30s, it's like I realized much more and more and more that religion is not for me. It's just not my thing. I don't appreciate it. And I know that it's it's good for a lot of people and it gives them structure and that kind of stuff. I understand its value in society. I think it can have good value. Uh, although the other day, uh, I will be honest, I was driving to the gym and it was a corner of a town here in a, in the... A, the town that I live in where I was kind of like leaving the the main part of town and going up on like the back roads to get up to the gym. And, uh, there was a bunch of people on the side of the road, like protesting, you know, and like saying, you know, hell is real and all this kind of stuff and believe in Jesus and all these kind of things. And there was this little kid, he must have been eight to 10 years old, somewhere in there. And he's got a sign that says hell's a real place. And I just had to shake my head. And I was like, fuck, it's like, this kid's not old enough to make his own decisions. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Like, this is all bullshit. Like, I wanted to just pull over and talk to him and just, okay, why do you believe that? What's going on? Because I, to me, it's always about you need to make decisions for yourself and not just do what your parents do, which is what I did when I was a kid because I didn't know any better. And then as I've gotten older, I've realized you need to set people up, I think, to make their own decisions. kind of like you have. Like, you've sampled a bunch of different things. You found what fit best for you. And you go with that, which is great. But it was it was watching this video again. It was very interesting to to me. It was like this different way of living, a, like a principled life. Because a lot of people who are religious look at atheists like, oh well, how do you not just go out and murder people if if you don't, if you're not going to be like be damned to hell by God, but by breaking the Ten Commandments and atheists are like well it's a bad thing to do and i wouldn't do that like yeah. but like a lot of religious people don't see it that way because they're so brainwashed into the stuff they've been taught their entire lives they've never thought about it from a different point of view so that's that's been the thing that's kind of like pulled me into it because again i'm not into religion i'm certainly not an atheist you know whereas i don't know if i do or don't believe in god we i've talked about that before and we're not going to get into that today it's it's too complex yeah. of an issue but still I like to be open to the ideas of it, so what are your guys' backgrounds in stoicism? What kind of
1: led you to learn more about it? Preston? what's a good start, sir. So let's start with a few caveats. so <clears throat> I'm not a I'm not formally educated in philosophy or anything of that nature. I already um, put out the disclaimers, we're not experts. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's just our opinions. don't sue us but l- l- let's look at what ph- <laughs> let's look, look at what philosophy is. You know, it's a perspective or a worldview for which you select, and that's the framework in which you interact with the world around you. So, philosophy in general is great, you know, whether it's in a religious framework or an atheist framework or whatever ism you want to throw on there. It's a framework in which you see the world, right? Or you interact with the world, how you find your space within the universe, right? So, Stoicism for me, so I've subscribed to these principles in one way or another, knowingly or unknowingly, throughout my life. And so, a little bit about about my background, we've discussed this on previous podcasts. I grew up a minister's son, was in that religious space for a long time. Um, I am no longer in the religious space, but faith is a different thing. And so, you sort all that out. But as I've progressed throughout life, I've realized that I need a set of principles to guide decision-making and perspective. And stoicism for me was a way to create a framework for myself to be able to interact with the world, if that makes sense. Yes. So that's what stoicism is to me. Okay. Um, I am an emotional person by nature. And, in my younger years, in my teens and early twenties, uh a lot of my decisions were heavily impacted by my emotional impulses
0: were your lack of ability to control your own emotions,
1: right? Yes, where my emotions would dictate, yes. the types because of decisions it's I would
0: interesting make. because a lot of people say, "Oh, and I'm not emotional, I'm super calculated and everything like. Bullshit! Like everything you do is emotional, bro. Like you yeah. need to sit back and look at it. Yes, you know, it's like it's like the old saying: like you can't see the picture when you're inside the frame. Yes, you've got to be able to step back, to be able to see the whole picture. It's the idea of perspective.
1: Yes, right. And so that's what you know. I I started down a path of learning about stoicism uh, in my late twenties um, and am still progressing. You know, baby stoic at this point, or you know, stoic, uh, stoics would not call themselves. Stoics. It's just you practice Stoicism on a daily basis and you demonstrate Stoicism on a daily basis. And this is more of a process of reframing perspective where anything outside of your own decision making is neither good nor bad. It just is. Yes. The perspective that you put on it then informs the actions that you take. So, you know, I could say, Um, you know, I got fired from my job. Well, this is a bad thing. But is it a bad thing? Or I got fired from my job, and this is a good thing because I now have time to go focus on a passion and do that startup that I always wanted to do. It's all about that perspective and that framework. So it's almost like
0: reframing the conditions that have been thrust upon
1: you right anything outside of your control is neither good nor bad Yeah, it just is it just is we assign good or bad to it and so you have to take a step back from it get outside the frame and say okay it is what it is what i what is good or what is bad is my actions in reference to the situation so for instance getting fired I can either look at it as, oh, poor me, and I'm going to sit in my, my, uh, my own pity and wallow in it, and I'm not going to make the best of the situation. Or I'm going to say, oh, this is the situation. Now I can be proactive about it and take whatever actions I need to take to make this a good situation. So it's a framework for which I apply my decision-making to and, and how I interact with and it. And that
0: helps you structure your own life, like you said, which is what you were looking for. Yes, yes. Interesting. Worley, what brought you into stoicism?
2: Yeah, um, I've really only been aware of it, I guess, for like a year or two. Um, I've heard the word kind of thrown around before, um, but I'd say kind of about as, I'd say summer 2020, somewhere in there, kind of like you, I started seeing it in feeds and I followed on Instagram, Daily Stoic. And they just post little uh, little quotes and snips from different writings. And I think kind of what you were hitting on, Preston, is it seems like it's a very practical approach. It's kind of like an everyday philosophy. Um, I was actually reading, I have meditations by Marcus Aurelius. And I was reading the foreword uh, kind of here and there in this week leading, leading up to it as a little refresher maybe on the background Um, and one of the things they were kind of touching on is it's basically just like kind of what you're saying like a framework it's like you get kind of principles that you take with you every day and you try to make the best of things and um, I don't know I, I, I just liked the basically gives you some way to approach life and the issues that you have there was a quote I forget who said it but it was like the one who doesn't know where he sailed or to the one who doesn't know where he's sailing any wind is bad you know so it's like wind blows and if you don't know where you're going it knocks you off course because you don't have a course but stoicism kind of gives you a little bit of like a framework a little bit of course to say I'm not really certain where I'm going even but maybe if I kind of have an approach to how to deal with issues I can kind of start to discern that a little bit better and get my kind of end goal in sight. Um, but, I, and I liked, it kind of crossed over from the kind of classical Greek philosophy into a bit of like the Roman world, because of course the Romans took after the Greeks in so many ways. And um, I liked that principle of memento mori, I noticed that earlier. I was digging that. Which is a tattoo that Preston just got on his inner bicep. Um, And one thing actually I I thought was really cool, I saw the Daily Stoic, they make these calendars where every week you check off one, and it's, I don't know how many years it is, but it's basically every week you check off one, that's another week until you get to the very end, like the end of your life. And I kind of appreciated that because it seems like the West has a weird view of death, like we're terrible. So many people are afraid to die? Yeah, I think that is a big thing.
0: Uh, I I know a lot of religious people that I know personally, just having been kind of around a lot of that growing up, is that a lot of them are, they're not quite excited to die because they think they're going to heaven and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you can, I mean... Heaven's got so many different words throughout history and different religions and all that kind of stuff, you know, to your paradise or Shangri-La or whatever. I mean, there's like all these different Mahala, you know, there's all these different ideas of like, you're going to go to some sort of paradise, you know, and it's like, I I get that. So they're, they're almost like they're waiting to get there and like, they're just like pissing away this time is like, this is something they just have to just get through to get there. But I think as we've all kind of realized with the stoic kind of principles, it's like, The whole idea is the journey. The whole idea is taking on the difficult things and not wavering and not giving up and enjoying the time that you're having, even if it's good or bad. Again, it's not negative or positive. It just is. And it's it's kind of pushing through a lot of that, which has been interesting to me. Like, I actually had a a talk recently with my daughter with my, like, I had a, oh, Jesus. I had, like, I lost three very close people to me in the last six months. And I had a talk with my daughter Sorry, guys. You're good. Okay. Oh, i good. And I basically had to say, it's like, kiddo, I've probably got more summers behind me than I do ahead of me. So it's like, hmm. it's time to live. Like, let's let's do this thing. Like, come on. You know, and she was freaking out. Like, don't say that. Oh, my God. And I'm like, kiddo, it's like, it's just a fact of life. Like, we're all going to die. And I'm a big dude. So I'm, I doubt I'm going to make it to 90. You know, it's like, it's just you know there's it's a bigger engine like it's going to wear out faster <laughs> you know it's, it's just yeah. how it goes but it was it was that come to jesus moment that we kind of had to have it was like hey like i'm most likely halfway through my life so it's like let's make the most of it let's enjoy this let's let's push through on this journey
1: you know and that for me personally that's one of the beauties of stoicism is i get so wrapped up in worried in, in worrying about the previous actions I've taken or the uncertainty of the future that I forget to live in the present. Yes. And, and I think
0: that's a big thing is that people are always looking on to what's next. Tomorrow. I'll do this later instead of living in the moment.
1: And so Stoicism grounds me in what is the next action in living in the present. Whether that action is I don't really need to worry about this work deadline. It's more important for me to go play with my kids on the playground.
0: Yes. Yes. I mean, how many I mean, God! How many times have you heard like uh, um, successful business people talk about on their deathbeds, like, oh, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. I wish I would have done more of this. I wish I would have yeah. done more of that. They're, I wish I would have gone here. I wish I would have done that. It was never, oh, I wish I would have done more work emails. I, wish I, I wish, had, wish I would have made more money. I wish I would have had more board yeah. meetings. Like, yeah. It doesn't fucking matter when you're dying. Yeah. All that matters is like the moments that you have with your loved ones, whether that be friends or family. And for me, family is not, you know, strictly blood. Right. Family is the people that you choose to love. It's not just the people that you were born into, you know, um, what would you call that? Like a kinship or a blood relation. Right. You know, it's like I've got, I've got very close friends of mine that I've met recently and it's like, it's like we've been friends for decades. You know, like I, you, you and I are kind of similar to that. Like we just kind of instantly had a click. Yep. You know, it's like, God, I feel like we've known each other forever. Like I've got two other close friends of mine that it's like I met him literally in the last year, but I feel like I've known them for decades. You know, and I've had other friends like that through my life that I've stayed very close to. It's Even though we're far apart, we don't see each other very much. Like I value their friendships. And as soon as I see them, it's like no time has passed. You know, it's not like oh, we're getting caught up. In this. No, it's like we're right back where we were, and it's and it's it's amazing, and it's like those are the people that I try to I try to spend more and more of my life with. I'm trying to do less things that I guess are inconsequential, yep, and I'm trying to spend more time with the people that I love. Absolutely. You no, know, but it's it's interesting because again, like 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 Josh, like you had said, like I think the West has this fear of death, and we shouldn't fear it. Like we're all going there. You know, I was at Joe Hogan, like he has this uh, interesting uh, thought on this. He's like, everyone loves going to sleep. Everyone loves shutting their eyes and turning their minds off and going into the other realms of existence that our dreams are, which we have no fucking idea what that is. You know, it could literally be an alternate reality in the universe that we're living in. We don't even know. But it's like, everybody looks forward to that, but everybody's afraid of dying. And why? In my opinion, it's because of the fear that religions teach. Like, oh, well, if you don't do this, you're going to go to hell and burn forever. Like, well, fuck, I don't want to do that. But with a lot of other stuff that I've looked at and researched and looked into, it's like, well, what if your paradise is just like your spirit goes on and lives in another existence, or realm, or whatever? I don't know. Like, we actually talked about this on a couple podcasts ago about the the engine that drives our meat wagon. Yeah. Like, well, some people call it the spirit, the soul, the uh, what else, the light, uh, there's lots of different names for it, again, in different religions and history and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, where does it come from? Like, where does it go when it's gone? Like, because you can, if you've seen someone who died, you can see the light leave their eyes. Like, you know they're dead. Like, you can see that energy leave them, which is what runs the, again, the machine that is our bodies. So it's like, it's interesting to me of thinking like, okay, well, in my beliefs, like that goes somewhere, but where does it go? Does it get recycled? Do you get born back into another creature? Because like in the idea of physics, there's no new energy. It's just all perpetual and recycled and it's all kind of the same thing, right? Nobody has
1: answers for these questions. Right. But it's fun to think about. And I would say that's more of a question for the religious realm. Yes. So if we bring it back to Stoicism and the idea that we all are going to die, it's going to happen. Everybody is born. Everybody's death. And the only, uh, only else, or the only other thing that's certain is taxes, right? Um, but with Stoicism, it's a chance to get to a higher self. What
0: do you mean? So,
1: feel free to jump
0: in here. You don't have to, okay. <laughs> you don't have to like wait. You're like anytime you want to jump in, jump in.
1: So humans have uh, this canny ability to use a logical side of the brain they, they try to they they can if they choose <laughs> they can if they choose that's fair and so what stoicism at least in my personal experiences helped me do is stop acting with my reptilian brain and act with my logical rational self which i believe to be a higher or better version of myself than, say, my base self. Yes. I'm not acting out of fear. I'm not acting out of worry or dread. I act out of logic and a rational being. And I I believe that to be a higher level of consciousness than the base reptilian thinking. Hmm. So, Saying all that to say, I I feel I live a more fulfilled life that way. And that's
0: trying to live by these principles taught by Stoicism.
1: Yes.
2: Okay.
0: Interesting.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, it seems like a lot of the focus of Stoicism seems to circle back around to this idea of just making good use of time. Yes. And what is good use of time kind of varies by the person. You know, it's like, all right, you could almost apply it to jujitsu, like good use of time for someone who's just starting off would be going to fundamentals, and maybe not necessarily jumping in and rolling all the time, but kind of watching and getting familiar and trying to pick up on what other people are doing. But for some of the purple and brown belts we train with, good use of the time would be going to the adult class and having those intense sessions, so then maybe going and competing, because they're kind of getting up closer to that next level that they want to get to. Maybe they're aiming for black belt, so for them, what is good use of the time would be like that. Whereas for someone like myself who's a white belt, making good use of the time would be going to some of the more introductory classes. So I guess that's kind of... So I haven't heard too much about like the time aspect
0: of it. Is that just more about like staying focus on what's important and, yes. and getting away from the things that are unmeaningful in your life?
1: Yeah, you'll often hear the cliche in Stoicism of... It's more important of what you say no to than what you say yes to. Okay. And that is a matter of you should be focused on what's important and get rid of the rest.
0: Because I I know I've heard lots of ideas about like uh, minimalism Mm -hmm. and like getting rid of things that you don't need or not searching or wanting things that you don't have and that kind of stuff. And basically the idea of being happy with what you have and not wanting more and more and more and more like, you know society teaches us in this part of the world. It's all about capitalism and selling and buying. You need this new thing. You need to keep up with them. You need to do that. And you need to have all these brand new clothes and appliances and house and all this kind of stuff. And it's like that stuff is almost irrelevant when in the grand scheme of things, because again, we're all going to (laughs) die. It's like all of it's going to be meaningless unless you're going to give it to your family to fight over. And then usually if you have a lot of that kind of stuff, money ruins families. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, how many, how many times we've seen this? Like, somebody rich dies and all the families come in like locusts and they just pick everything clean. They, they take everything they want and everybody gets mad and, you know, and they, they have fights and they don't talk to each other. And there's all these kind of issues like all over money, all over things that don't mean anything. I've heard a lot of that, but I've not heard a lot about the making use of your time. But I guess it's kind of the same principle, just in a different light.
1: Yes. Yeah. And like Josh said, it's focusing – it the – the what is important is determined by you, which is determined by your perspective. So.
0: So it's not what society deems important. It's what you deem important.
1: Yeah. I mean, we could get into the social or the social engineering aspect of it of society says material need is most important. Yeah. So I mean, that's, that's all you see in commercials and
0: everything and yeah. all these ads that you see on social media and whatever yeah. else. Like, it's it's all about selling shit. Right. Most shit you don't need. Oh,
1: yeah. And all of marketing is is founded around psychology and how you can get somebody to feel like they quote unquote need something. And so they're going to buy it. Stoicism takes that and says, look at what is important and here's how you can dwindle down what's important.
0: And again, it's going to be different for everyone yes. as they sit down and make their yep. own ideas of yes. what that is, not being told to by society yes. or their peers or anybody, other family or anybody else. Yes. Interesting. Any thoughts on that, sir? Looks
2: like you got something you want to say. I was just going to say, I guess, to the point about time, from a kind of practical aspect, everything you do is going to use up some of your time. So it's kind of use it wisely, I guess. You only get so much and what you use doesn't come back so it's kind of, and part of that too is almost like trial and error you have to find what it is you're looking for and there's a certain aspect of you try this you realize it didn't help you so you don't do it again and next thing you, next time you come into a situation where you have a decision to make you think well before i tried x y and z that didn't work let me try a b and c this time and it seems like from what I kind but you of can But
0: you can only really do that if you can sit back and reflect on things, which most yeah. people don't do. No. They don't, they don't sit back and think about mistakes they've made or problems that they've had or anything else. They don't sit down with mentors and talk about their failures or the good things that they've done, their successes or anything like that. Like They just kind of live their lives aimlessly, dare I say. I mean, we all know
1: people like this. Well, that's the point of having a philosophy in general, right? Is you need you need something to guide where you're going and you can't it, to simply sit and do retrospection without any type of framework is going to be a fruitless endeavor
0: yeah because it's it's like the old adage you know it's like you you're you're walking down a trail you come to a fork in the road and there's this wise old man sitting there on the side of the road you say which way should i go well where do you want to yeah, go yeah where do you want to go well i don't know well it doesn't matter like, well, that's not what people want to hear, but it really is the truth. If yeah. you don't have an idea of where you're going, the path you take doesn't matter. Right. But if you have a philosophy and an idea of what you want to do, then I'll say, I want to get here. Let's say I want to go there. I want to do this. Like, oh, well, then perhaps you should go this way.
1: Well, and so this is where you have to dive deeper into Stoicism, where um, Stoicism is, you know, mostly. From Greek philosophy, or well, entirely from Greek philosophy.
0: Well, if I understand correctly, it was made more like in the Roman times, based off of readings, or the writings, I guess, from the Greek
1: philosophers. Yes. Right? Yep. Okay. So, you which all is in a framework of natural law, right? And so, what to aim at in Stoicism is what is in accordance with nature and that is which is good and important i know that's very abstract and very heady but S- say that again please so uh, founding of greek philosophy was in natural law right what do you mean by natural law there are certain things in nature that happen and that is good or bad right and this is this predates
2: Christianity, right? Yeah. So, natural so when, law. When were the Greeks? Uh, kind of like classical Greek. Yeah. I'm, I don't know, like four, or five century, fourth or fifth century B.C. I think is when a lot of like Socrates and Plato and a lot of those kind of like the big names that people know. Usually, I think we're like the third or fourth century B.C. Okay. I, from what I understand, Stoicism, um, as we have kind of come to know it. Kind of has its roots, I think, like second, third century BC. Okay. It takes its name, I think, from the Stoa, which was like. So it's only a, only a few hundred years difference. Yeah. Yeah. Which, obviously, in the grand scheme of things, is nothing. Right. It had like two or three hundred years of kind of taking form in ancient Greece. And then by like the first or second century, it had kind of become, I don't, I guess, for lack of a better term, fashionable, or I guess the better word maybe is more popular among the kind of upper class of the Roman world because I say like Marcus Aurelius I think died sometime around the end of the second century and even he had kind of mentors along the way who were versed in Stoicism so it kind of has that I guess you could say like a golden age there like four or five hundred years from kind of like the couple centuries before Christ to the first century or two AD okay it's kind of the time frame that it starts to take form
0: okay so a very tight window i thought it was
2: longer than that okay yeah i mean there might have been kind of well i know i I have no idea i just but again like a few hundred years difference really yeah it could have been like proto-stoics that had kind of come before and maybe they were a little ahead of their time and it wasn't until later people kind of picked up on it and said wow that was interesting we should have listened to him when he was around you know and (laughs) there might have been people after the kind of golden age that were still kind of holding on to it and Maybe people thought it was old news and they didn't want to hear about it and then here we are, 2022. That that hippy-dippy bullshit. We don't need it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so you were saying with the natural law.
1: So, with... Religion gives you something to aim for, right? Heaven or hell.
0: I don't know if that's something
1: to aim for. It's something to scare people, but... But each construct gives you an idol to emulate and base your behavior off of, right? So that that natural law, what is good for nature as a whole, and I don't mean like Mother Nature, I just mean the ecosystem as a whole is what you should strive for, right? Yeah. So I... I Think of it
0: more like the universe than Mother Nature.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so... uh, You have to determine what that is, and based on, again, based on your perspective, that's going to inform where you prescribe to what is good for the universe. I think we can all generally agree, uh, taking a human life is not good for the universe. No. So I'm not going to go out and do that. But let's get a little bit controversial and taking a human life to protect multiple human lives. Is that good for the universe or is that not?
0: That's an interesting philosophical argument that we could have. Like, is it worth murdering one innocent person to save a bunch of innocent people and all that kind of stuff? And mm-hmm. and to, to me, the answer is no. Like every life is precious and I think you should fight to save those kind of things. You know, like, and I know like a lot of, um, academia will disagree with that and they're trying to indoctrinate these these college children to, to think, okay, well, it'd be, it'd be fine to murder you know, these people because it's better for society because these other people will live. It's, it's, it's like the idea of like uh, euthanasia. It's like, well, let's just murder the old people because they've got no useful life left. And it's like, well, no, because they have the right to live the same as anybody else does and we should fight to protect them the same as we
1: would anybody else. So let's take it to the micro level. Self-defense how do you value your life over the person that's trying to take your life and
0: again that becomes a very you know yeah. interesting topic you know cuz like how i believe personally is like if someone is going to try to take my life i'm going to beat you to the punch yeah You know, like I'm going to take your life over you taking my life so I can be there for my family or do whatever. But again, I wouldn't just go out and murder some innocent person just because like, oh, well, if you do this, then we won't, you know, this terrorist like, well, murder this person or we'll, we'll blow up this bomb and kill all these people. And it's like, I'm going to fight the terrorism and not just go out and murder somebody else. But again, that's just, that's my thinking of it. But again, that's obviously just not even scratching the surface of what we could have for like that kind of. Talk, yep. but yep. again, in today's society, most people, I think, because of academia, would say, "Oh, yeah, well, let's just murder these people to for the betterment of of what we think is best." And it's like that's not necessarily the best thing to do, in my opinion. There's a thought going on there. I can see the gears turning there, Preston. <laughs> yeah, it, it,
1: well, because I want to, I want to bring it away from the natural law and more to the personal framework, hmm. and it's a good place to to go from there. So, you know, you talk about indoctrination and, and, you know, it's better to get rid of this group versus that group because of the betterment of society. Um, but I want to bring it back to the personal level. And part of that indoctrination is this person said something and that caused me harm. And so we need to shut this person down.
0: And that's happening a lot in today's society with these weak people who can't have good arguments to defend their own ideas so they want to shut other people up
1: let's be careful about weak maybe misguided or lack of founding principles so the nice thing about stoicism is the things you say can only harm me if I let them harm me so you say oh you're you're a tiny weak bitch okay My perspective on that is different. And so unless I adopt your perspective, it has no harm on me.
0: That's a healthy um, perspective to have, for sure.
1: And so, you know, we say weak, but it's it's more a matter of a perspective that they are being taught that, I am the victim because of somebody else's actions. Well, stoicism flips that on its head and says, I decide whether or not I'm the victim. But
0: that would also be people having to take responsibility for themselves and their actions. But that's and, the whole point. And of stoicism. they're not taught that in today's society, especially by our educational system. Yes.
1: Yes it's i'm it's the exact opposite of what stoicism is it's a i'm a victim of my circumstance instead of saying my circumstances are what they are and the only thing i have control of is my actions and thoughts so it's a complete reversal of of
2: that philosophy you over
0: here in your head josh thoughts ideas
2: uh, you know i don't know i guess um, I guess as a personal example without dwelling too much on it, kind of what you were saying about like we don't have to, if someone says something offensive to you, it can only really bother you if you let it bother you. Um, I guess from my perspective, it's funny for me to hear that because it's like, like we kind of touched on earlier, I'm a religious person. So I know a lot of people think religious people are always like backwards or scientifically illiterate or they're just idiots. And it's like, it's funny for me If you've heard any
0: of Jim Jefferies' comedy, well, there's a lot of those kind of jokes in there. Obviously, yeah. obviously they're jokes. Yeah. They're meant to be funny. But the reason that they're funny is because there's a, a valid you know, a sliver of truth in there that mm-hmm. a lot of society does see that.
2: Yeah. Well, there there are. I mean, there are religious people that think that, say, the theory of evolution is that we evolved from monkeys. But it's not that we evolved from monkeys. It's that we have common ancestors, We have common ancestors with all the great apes and we all kind of broke off and we're like cousins, you know. But without getting all into that, kind of this is where I start to see for me personally a bit of my faith as an Orthodox Christian. But also um, there's a principle within Orthodoxy called Spermaticos Logos, which means seeds of the truth or seeds of the word and the word referring to the person of Jesus and like the truth as he kind of preached it. And that there are basically principles of truth that are found, can be found in any of the world's philosophies or religions or worldviews. And kind of the orthodox views that they all kind of get fulfilled in Jesus. But also then to the credit of other worldviews, you can find things that are good and true and beautiful outside of Christianity. It's not, you know, that good, truth and goodness are exclusive to christianity well so, that's
0: the interesting thing that i think a lot of people miss out on yeah. is that when you look into the different religions they're much more similar than they are you know yeah. dissimilar exactly like there's much more alike than, than there's not alike and like i know like one of our favorite guests on the show todd you know he's studied a lot of that kind of stuff uh he's he's more into like eastern philosophy at this point uh, but he sees he kind of grew up Christian and then went into like Catholicism and like did a lot of different things. And then he's just done a bunch of different research on different religions and the schisms and the, all the different breaks in Christianity and that kind of stuff. He's he's very well versed with that, which is good. He's not like a an expert by any means, but he has a very good perspective on like a lot of the overviews and whatnot. But yeah. it's interesting to hear him talk about it. The more you do look into it, is that it really is the case? Like. There is a lot of similarities throughout history in a lot of the different religions. But for some reason, like all anybody ever wants to talk about is the differences. And it's like, you guys are pretty yeah. similar here.
2: The differences stand out. They're obviously much more obvious than the similarities, but then it is when you get into the similarities you realize that a lot of the times we're kind of saying the same thing in different ways. But Yes. I guess to kinda of, if I could kind of synthesize, I think of some of what we've said as like kind of what you were saying earlier where maybe you find a religion or something that works for you and then you kind of go with that it's kind of for me like that's what orthodoxy is but then I can kind of infuse bits of stoicism in like someone says something offensive I can let it bother me or I can kind of just let it roll off and so and so and says like I'm crazy for that for believing what I believe it's like I can let that bother me I can I can like be on the ride home like all mad and thinking and like stewing over that I can say you know what not everyone's going to agree with me and that's fine and maybe they said that because maybe they have a misunderstanding or maybe in their worldview what I believe is crazy but is what they're saying about me and my beliefs am I going to let that knock me off course not necessarily – not really. Yeah, no, but dare I say
0: most people don't understand your beliefs and they don't know what yeah. they really are. And well, if they sat down with you over a couple of hours and had a deep conversation, which most people are afraid to do yeah. because it challenges their own beliefs. And they and they can't handle that so that they tend to avoid those kind of things.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's kind of – I guess that's kind of, kind of where I was going. It's just, just like – I don't know. I mean someone can say something like that, but I – you know, would have a better understanding of what I'm, I kind of subscribe to than what they would. So this is where, I mean, there's probably some council, 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 something C O N U N well, whatever council from like an Orthodox figure. that would say like, don't get straight swayed off course, but kind of the immediate, um, kind of philosophy or wisdom that I would almost fall back on. in that instance would be something like stoicism, like Don't get knocked off course because someone's trying to knock you off course or they're criticizing you. Like, you kind of have your thing that you're doing. Just keep going with it. So, I don't know. I guess from, like, a personal example, that's where I would kind of blend a little bit of kind of my religious beliefs with Stoicism, which is not particularly religious, but also not particularly, say, atheistic. Because atheism as a word just means, like, without the belief in a god, you know, but
0: That I also think it's very misused in today's society,
2: yeah, what atheism, yeah, it's funny because actually, there was a time when Christians in the early as the Christian church was starting to develop in the early kind of days under the Romans, they were sometimes described as atheists because they were monotheistic, whereas the Romans had their whole pantheon of gods that they more or less borrowed from the Greeks, so they had all they had a like deity for war a deity for fertility a deity for i don't know crops sometimes there's deities that had kind of multiple things that they were over and christians basically like kind of brushed all that off and said like we just have a deity we just have one and so they were all they were described as an atheist in a sense because it's like you're without all of the gods you know so it's kind which is kind of funny because as the like as the word actually is without belief in a God, it's like, it really doesn't make sense. But from the Roman perspective, that was functionally atheism because there weren't the gods there, you know? And now today it's kind of a whole, like people have debates about is atheism a religion or isn't it not? And some people say it is because you probably have a reason for being an atheist and you probably carry those principles with you. And so, and maybe in that sense, you could kind of make the case, but then people also say, well, atheism is as much of a religion as not stamp collecting is a hobby. You know, it's kind of something I hear from like atheists. It's like, it's not a religion. I just don't believe in what you believe in. And that's kind of the end of it. And I don't know, I guess kind of to your point earlier about where Stoicism is, it kind of does fall in the middle somewhere where it's like we're not necessarily going to say there's nothing greater than us, but we're also not going to just make that the central focus in everything we do. Yes. We're but... taking it on a day-to-day, case-by-case basis. Here's what we can do, and here's what we maybe shouldn't do. And Yeah. For
1: right or for wrong, this is my interpretation of it, is it's not a religion. A religion will give you that thing to aim for. Stoicism is more of like an operating philosophy of this is how I'm going to conduct myself on a daily basis. Yes, with, with a strive a of
0: making yourself better, pursuing whatever it is you want to pursue, all that kind of and deciding for yourself what that is instead yeah. of somebody else telling you what it needs to be. Yes, which which is great, but also I really feel like it's it's a good idea of like of not just having someone tell you what that is and becoming your own person to decide what are your guiding principles and and how do you make yourself better, but also with the idea of what's best for the universe, what's best for everything and not just little old me and being selfish. Yes. Which is interesting. So something uh, going back uh, to what you were talking about earlier, Josh, about the memento mori. Can you explain kind of more of what that is?
2: The literal meaning, I believe, is basically remember that you will die as it's kind of been translated. So it's basically kind of what we touched on earlier with sitting and reflecting. It's that you don't get caught up in a sort of morbid obsession with death, but you also don't get to the point where you never really think about it because you don't really want to confront the fact that it's going to happen. But maybe at a certain point, like say at the end of the day, you kind of reflect on the day that you just lived. Maybe you think about kind of what's coming up. I guess it almost looks different depending on the person, but you remember that ultimately there will come a time when you kind of, you expire. And what are you doing in the meantime to make your life worthwhile and meaningful? Are you doing anything to really become a better person or have new experiences that kind of enrich your life? Or are you just kind of passing the time, twiddling your thumbs afraid to take chances or anything like that? Um, so to me i find it fascinating just because it's like we do kind of live in a society where people are people are a little afraid to die I, th- I think of um i don't want to kind of be a downer on it but we've seen a shift away from like funerals to like celebration of life like even when someone passes away we still don't want to really focus on the fact that they're dead and i mean to an extent, I agree with that. You don't want to get caught up in that because it's kind of a morose thing. But I don't know. I kind of like in um, I don't know if this is too broad. Sp- broadly speaking, but like in Mexican culture with Day of the Dead, like kind of remembering the those who are departed and not being afraid of it. And like they'll go and they hang out. Yeah, but dare seminaries. I
0: say, the Day of the Dead's like a, it's a big party. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, a so big it's a celebration. celebration of their life. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not meant to be a sorrowful thing. I mean, obviously you need to remember the people and it's it's okay to be sorrowful for that, but like I know me personally, like when I die, like I sure as fuck hope there's a party. I hope there's a big barbecue, hog roast, whatever, with a bunch of alcohol and people coming in and having a great time and remembering the times that we've had together and that kind of stuff and in celebrating the time that I had here and hopefully something productive that I've done and maybe meant something to them. That's one of the big fears that I'm having kind of right now in the middle of my life. It's like, what's my purpose? What am I doing? Am I leaving an impact on others? I don't know. You know, that, that's one of the interesting things of thinking about. Which is, I think, uh, kind of blends in well with Stoicism.
1: Well, and so that celebration of life is the continuation of your energy. So the time you took to live in the present and create those memories and experiences now lives on through the people that are continuing their lives. So in the sense that, hey, I'm, we're going to have a big party. We're going to celebrate your life. Or in the case of Day of the Dead, where we're going to remember what our ancestors have passed on to us and the lives that they've given us. You only do that by living in the present and being here now yeah. and focusing on And to on think it. about it. Yes. To literally think about it. And so that memento mori is, I only have a finite number of days in existence in the physical world as we see it. In front of us. And
0: I know that that means a lot to you, which is why you got it tattooed on you recently. Yes. And
1: kind of kind of explain to us
0: like where, where it kind of came from and what it means to you.
1: So for me, it is my daily actions to better the world around me, whether that's the lives of the people around me or the environment uh, around me. What am I taking in this present moment to do that? So this podcast, for instance, is a chance to share that philosophy and hopefully better somebody's yeah. life well, this
0: is obviously a chance for you guys to be away from your friend's family to sit down with me here mm-hmm. to record this to put it out there for others to listen to to just have an idea of like kind of what we were thinking at this current time at at, at this moment yeah. which hopefully will change in the next couple of years if we sat down again it'll be a very different conversation hopefully
1: well and and this is the great thing about podcast is is you know i'm giving up something to do this but this will live on past me yes and that's that's that hope that that's what you're striving for is that what i'm doing will live on past my physical life whether that's my daughters as they grow up and go off into the world whether that's helping with a community program that's going to continue to enrich people's lives throughout the foreseeable future. It's not one focus solely on myself, but how can I take action that is going to outlive me? Which that, that
0: makes perfect sense. Um, but coming back to the Memento Mori, though, like I know there's kind of like a story behind it. Like, where did it originate? Uh, I know you were kind of telling me yeah, about before. Yeah,
1: so so the story that I I've heard most is you know a Roman general would come back from victory, and a uh, slave would ride in the chariot beside them and whisper whisper Memento Mori to them. So even on this great day of celebration of their victory, of their their military victory, they need to realize. That this moment will pass, tomorrow is a new day, and I need to not dwell on these victories in the past, and I need to continue action forward.
0: And dare I say, that's almost like a a meaning, not a meaning, but um, a remembrance almost to say, hey, you are not your past successes. You are only what's upcoming in the future. Similar
1: to, I'm not going to rest on my laurels. Yes. So... You know, I can be fat and happy and content. This is the interesting thing about stoicism, where you talk about, you know, being happy and not coveting more. Well, stoicism helps rationalize ambition, right? I can be happy and I can be present, but I can also understand that I need to continue to act to continue the betterment.
0: I know, like a great example of this in my life is something that I'm personally struggling with right now, is the idea of competition. Mm-hmm. Like I'm missing competition in my life, and because like for for since I was a little kid, like I've always played sports or been active or done some sort of competing in anything. Whether it's, I mean, speaking, speak, and, uh, speak. <laughs> speech and debate, like in high school a little bit with the FFA team, which was a lot of fun. Um, which is funny because we were talking about that in the last podcast as well with Dane. It's like, well, you you've been really good at that because like you like talking all these kind of things. Like, well, yeah, I did some of that and it was fun, but I liked playing sports. Sports were kind of my thing. That's I'm I'm pretty tall, but I'm decently athletic, especially for my height. So it gave me a huge advantage in a lot of different sports. And, and I played sports all through high school, never played any kind of higher level. So I'm not like, I wouldn't consider myself an athlete by any means. I never played in college, never played semi-pro or professional anything. You know, I'm not not talented enough and I realize that and that's fine. Um, but it's like, I'm, I'm missing some of that in my life right now. And it, so there's so many people I run into. It's all about, oh, well, when I was in high school, I threw the winning touchdown pass or I did this or I did that. And it's always about what they did not what they're doing, not what they're striving for. And for me, it's always trying to find like the new thing. Like what can I do now? What can I do in the future? What can I strive to do to make myself better? And it's one of the one of the things that kind of drew me into jujitsu specifically. Cause for me, it's like I personally believe that a grown man should know how to fight. And I think that jiu-jitsu is probably the most feasible, realistic thing to do to kind of spend your time and energy on. You know, obviously, you might need some some boxing, a little bit of wrestling, uh, maybe even some kickboxing. to like learn some kick defenses and that kind of stuff. But I really feel like you could do six to 12 months of those kind of things and get a basic knowledge that would take you to most likely where you need to be in any kind of street altercation or any kind of real fight that would happen. But jiu-jitsu is the one thing. That no matter how much, you know, training you have for a few months, it's like you're never going to master this. It's like even just learning the basic principles is going to take you two to three years. That's why most people, it takes them two to three years to get a blue belt. And that's just not even learning offense. That's mostly just learning how to survive roles. It's, It's just not getting your ass kicked. You know, and it's like, it's one of the things that it really does take years and years and thousands of hours to master. Whereas, again, I feel like if any one of us were to start taking like boxing classes in six months, we would be decently proficient enough to handle somebody who's never really fought. Fair enough? Fair. You got gears turning over here, Preston. So,
1: it depends on... What you mean by the purpose of competition? So, I well I, again
0: for me it's it's wanting to make myself better, to not live in the past, and to try to push forward.
1: I I get that, and, but you said that knowing how to fight is whatever every grown man should. Do I think
0: it's it. important for a grown man to know how to fight because most people don't know how to fight. Yep. They've never been in a fight. Yep. And I think they drastically overestimate their own capabilities. And if you take a jujitsu class at a, at a legit gym, you'll get humbled really quickly and realize, shit, I don't know anything.
1: Agreed. But to the point about the other martial arts, kickboxing, boxing, etc. You look at uh, Gracie University structure; like the entire white belt curriculum is focused around self-defense. So as soon as you're a blue belt. The soccer mom knows how to defend herself. Once you get into that blue belt, purple belt, like, are you going to barambolo somebody on the street? No, of course not. Okay. I'm going to play De guard No, guard in a street fight. So you, you've still got that foundation. So there's something more there that you're looking for outside of that, which is that I want to perfect self-mastery or I want to get closer to self-mastery of this one specific domain and this is something that I'm striving for. But
0: it's also, I think, the the personal struggle of doing very difficult things even though you want to quit and to keep pushed through.
1: Oh, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. But you can do that in multiple domains. Of course.
0: You can do that in just yeah. about anything. Yeah. I'm just saying it's, it's a good example.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Because yeah. it's certainly not for everybody. Right. Because, I mean, yeah. how many people do we see come in the gym and then two months later, like, they're gone. We never see them again. Yeah. Like, oh this is tough. I'm fucking out of here. Or they make up some bullshit excuse, oh, it's just taking up too much time. I'm gonna take some time off, or I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna oh my kids got this or that or whatever, and it's like it's just an excuse. It's like if you want to do it, you'll make time. It's like anything else. Yeah. You have to prioritize what it is that's important to you and focus on that. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's not for everybody. And they can get the same thing playing volleyball. Right. Like going in and joining a team and working on themselves and getting better and moving forward. They, they could absolutely do the, the exact same things. Yeah. But for me, like, again, it's it's more about wanting to, to not live in the past and be like, oh, well, I used to play sports and I used to be active and I used to do this. Like, fuck that. Like, I want to do things. I want to move forward. I want to focus on myself. I want to get better.
1: Because if you keep living in the past, you're already dead.
0: In my opinion, yeah.
1: Yeah. And Stoicism would say the same thing.
0: Yeah, which, which is why I think it like aligns very well with a lot of the things that I already kind of believe. And it's, it's interesting listening to years and years and years of like professionals, uh, business owners, authors, like these kind of people like talking about these basic principles, mm-hmm. of, like how to be successful and how to push forward and to strive for excellence and those kind of things. It's, it's funny how well things kind of fall in line with stoicism it's very interesting or it's you hear new i hear new principles i'm like yeah that makes sense because c- of this and that and like, i've already heard this because of that person and i know tim ferris talks about stoicism a lot and he's very much into that business world and professionalism and um, being efficient with your time and all those kind of things and it's great
1: yep, yep. so
0: it's, it's very interesting to me
1: well and all of it goes back to not being governed by emotion or being governed by impulse.
0: Yeah, and to taking the time to sit back and to think. Okay, what do I need to do to move forward? Let's not act emotionally. Let's let's take a step back. Yeah. Let's 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 breathe. Let's think. Yep. Okay, what do I need to do?
1: So we can take it to a very micro level. Uh, we do these drills at True Art where uh, you spend 15 minutes in a bad position. Right. So that's in side control. Great
0: example. The other day you guys started with someone on your back with the hooks in, not even just a seatbelt grip, which is one arm over your shoulder, one arm under your other arm attached around your chest. They literally started with choking grips. And you are a few seconds away from being choked out and stopping the match. You are literally starting in this position where it's meant to suck. Yeah. Like you are 90% likely to get strangled in this moment. Yes.
1: You are literally starting in that position and go. And so here's how stoicism applies. I can either result to my reptilian brain and freak out, which is going to sink the choke d- deeper. Or I can take a second and say the situation is what it is. And I'm going to think logically about how to get out of this. So somebody takes my back. Worst thing I can do is freak out.
0: Yes. And start flailing and doing something stupid.
1: Best thing I can do is set my defenses and start to proactively solve the problem. And so I have to override that reptilian brain. Yes to get to the logical side of my brain, to start thinking about these problems.
0: And obviously in sports, in drills, the idea of that is like, okay, let's get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. Let's get comfortable in a position that you're fucked. Yeah. If you get into a match there and someone's got deep collar grips in and they're trying to do a cross collar choke in from the back, like you are 90% likely to lose that match. Yep. So you are fucked. Yep. But if you can get comfortable already being there and not freaking out, but a great example of this is the opposite. Like when Ben went to Masters Worlds last year, right? We, we watched him. I, mean, I know you and I were like texting each other back and forth. I was over at Coach's house because I don't have flow grappling. I I happen to have the day off of work. So I was over there with Coach and we were watching Ben's matches and it was awesome. In between, we were downstairs playing ping pong because <laughs> he just got a ping pong table, which was fun. But, uh, but we were sitting there watching and it's like once Ben pulled guard and tied these guys up in sophisticated guards for a super heavyweight, <laughs> excuse me, a super heavyweight. These guys had fucking no idea what to do. So you could tell they had not trained being uncomfortable. They were used to being the big guy, being, you know, 222 pounds in the gear, whatever it is. Like these are big boys. Like they're, they're used to being on top and smashing and being in dominant positions. And as soon as Ben put them in sophisticated guards, they had no idea what to do and they panicked. And he was able to sweep them, get on top, score points, and he won most of his matches that way. Because again, they weren't putting themselves in bad situations where they were comfortable being uncomfortable.
1: Mm -hmm. And this is the difference between a mediocre jiu-jitsu player and a high level jiu-jitsu player who is, they may have the same level of experience, right? They may know all the positions or may know the same amount of positions. The high level jiu-jitsu player understands how to problem solve in the moment given uncertainty and uncomfortableness or uncomfortability. That's the difference. So all of us have been in that situation where I get tied up in a a, a guard that I've never seen before and you just brain dump like, oh, what the fuck am I
0: supposed to do? Yeah, there's lots of times where I'm rolling with some of the upper belts where I get in a position that I'm unfamiliar with, I don't know what to do, and I kind of just freeze up. Mm-hmm. And I try to stay in good positions. I try not to give them anything, but I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, I'll have to ask them, okay, I was here. You were there. What do I
1: do? So I've had the luxury of seeing, you know, Ben and Devon at Brown Belt roll with Brown Belts who have dro- dropped into the gym. And you watch them and the Brown Belts, who arguably would have similar level of experience, Should have, yes. Get tied up in that situation and freeze. Whereas you see Devin and Ben get tied up in a situation and they are currently going into problem solving mode. Yes. Whether that's switching grips. Hey, I may not be familiar with this, but I know that I I need to do something here. So I'm playing around with the grips. What? Can, how can I get to a better grip? How can I get to a better position?
0: Yeah, and that turns into a fight that you better get the fuck out of the way from because right. they're about to take up half of the room. Right. <laughs>
1: but but that's but that's that, that principle of, okay, now I, I can think rationally because I'm comfortable being yeah.
0: uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm already used to being yeah. in bad positions. Yeah. Now it's how do I move forward? Oh, I fucked that one up. I'll try something different next time. Yep. Yep. Which is what coach harps on all the time. Fucking do something. Move. Yep. yep. If you, if you fuck up, I don't care. That's how you learn. Yep. Don't just sit there. Yeah, which is great. So <sighs> This is good shit. Um, so going back to the drill uh, from last week when you started on the back with uh, cross-collar chokes in, um, some people in the room who might, rename, might remain unnamed, uh, like Preston, um, who were a little too stubborn and uh, let <laughs> themselves get put to sleep. <laughs> is that stubbornness, uh, or is this
1: it, no? Yeah.
0: The, so there, there's let's a break. Thought, the, let's break this down here. Did, there's they, a thought process. Did, here. did you say "fuck this"? I'm going out of my shield, or were you literally thinking I can get out of this, and it's just it was too late?
1: What happened? Both. Okay. Both. So ex- 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 walk okay, me through it. So what were you I thinking? unashamedly went out, and I wouldn't say necessarily cold because this was truly an out of body experience, uh, well, in body experience where. Full paralysis, couldn't do anything. Uh, So you get into these types of drills and and you've got a decision to make. It's like, you know, can I just sit here and tap 50 times in five minutes?
0: Yeah, but how useful is that to your training partner and to
1: you? Yes, exactly. So my thought process going into these drills was like, I'm going to figure this out. It's going to suck. I know I'm, you know, 95% of the way screwed here. Let's let's try to figure this out. Like, I know the principle is I need to get this choking arm away from my neck or at least create space between my carotid artery and my jugular. So, let's do that. So, got in the position. Uh, my partner had chokes in nice and deep. Which and, is the idea because yeah. they're literally starting there. Yep. So, they can get the best positions possible. Yep. Um, I rolled to the non-choking arm side. Thought I was in give good, yourself some space. Give myself some space. Uh, I had two on one, so m- both my hands were on his choking arm, pulling down. I thought I had enough space. Uh, the position readjusted slightly, and it went from "I'm good here. I'm not panicked." To the lights are off. So not even like the walls are closing in. It was. They were just that, like yeah. Off. Now that being said, the, the walls were closing in three chokes before. Okay. And they were getting closer every single time we were doing the drill. So, I don't know how much of it was lack of blood flow going into that specific that specific. Obviously, drill. that had some part to play in that, 100%. But at the same time, it was, okay, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, and I'm not. And it wasn't like, oh, now I've got time to tap. It was the body shut off. And my partner found it really interesting. He's like, your eyes were open. It looked like you were awake. What's going on? I was like, I lost all mechanical ability in my body after that. Um, I couldn't speak. I was trying to say tap. Could, could, no words were coming out. Uh, I was trying to move my arm to tap. But nothing was moving. My body was convulsing. <laughs> uh, and so it was just this really weird experience. But part of that is I now understand where I need to tap to continue training.
0: But that's also the interesting part too here because, again, this is just a matter of toughness, like mentally, not so much physical toughness, but mental toughness of pushing through in these tough positions of not just giving up quickly because a lot of times with joint locks or things like that, a lot of times we all just tap quickly. Yep. because you don't want to risk injury. We've all been there. That's how
1: I tore my RCL
0: on I'm, my elbow. That's how I tell my tore my MCL fighting mm-hmm. Plasic on a fucking takedown. And I was like, "Fuck you! You're not taking me down." So I tried to plant and throw him, and I fucking popped my knee. You know, it's just it, it's part of it. So now it's like, okay, it's not worth the the injury and being out for months. Like, let's fucking just tap, move on, and just learn a lesson. Here we go. But with the chokes, you can fight a little bit more because there's no real danger. The lights go out. Yeah, lights, light, lights go out. On. Yeah, you, you wake right back up. Worst case scenario, you shit your pants. Yeah. Well, that's worst case scenario. Luckily, be, I did not do that. That'd be the first thing I would fucking check. Like, well, I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick and just check my pants. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I, know not, I, like, I, I have trouble with my stomach and my bowels, and I always have, have had issues. Honestly, I kind of thought that would keep me from doing jujitsu when I first started. Yeah. But I've kind of found a way to manage it, and there's... there's there's times where it's like, hey, you know what, my stomach's not good today. I can't roll. Yeah. Like, there's been times where I've gotten halfway through class. I'm like, I feel like if I keep going, I'm going to shit my pants. So I've got to stop. Yep. You know, and that's just that's just part of me and the trouble that I'm having. I don't know if that's a need for probiotics or whatever. I don't know, but it's just something I have to deal with. So for me, it's like I always try to go boom, boom before class because, well, I, always, I used to always tell my athletes uh, when I was uh, coaching weightlifting and stuff. When I was still weightlifting, it's like, hey, you got to empty the tanks before going to war. Like this is just how it goes. Like just try to go if you can. Great. If not, whatever. At least you tried to empty the tanks. Like you're all good to go. Yep. 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 <laughs> I, mean, I know some other people in the gym have that same philosophy as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, we, de- we definitely need some better shitters in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, At least shitters that work. I can't wait for uh, coach to get his own space and so we can actually have like real locker rooms and changing rooms and a lounge to hang out with because it's so much fun hanging out with everybody and bullshitting and having a good time. It's like it's hard to explain the camaraderie you have with people who are you were literally simulating murder with. Well, you know, I, I
1: mean, that's the funny part is my partner and I were talking about the move to Memphis thirty seconds before he yeah. went out. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like and you're just cool. you're, you're
0: bullshitting and yeah. just having a good time and yeah. trying to literally kill each other. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like oh shit, he's out. Fuck, <laughs> yeah. let's wake him up. Let's get back to it yeah and you did you you didn't stop, you kept rolling. It was great, and no no one died right? You were a little dizzy for a while, saw some stars, whatever yeah, yeah <laughs> we yeah. we've all been there,
1: yeah, so, <laughs> saw the light you know, didn't go towards it went went the other way but it's <laughs> right.
0: okay. uh, you guys have any uh other things you've been thinking about that you maybe wanted to say about stoicism?
2: Something I kind of remembered earlier when we were on that whole idea of memento mori. I don't know where it fits into this conversation, but I remembered there was a story. I'm not really certain the setting, but I don't think it was a cemetery per se, but some space like that. And there was like a plaque on the wall or there was something inscribed on the floor that said, um, what you are now, we once were. What we are now, you will become. Basically kind of calling to mind like, all of these bones, all of these bodies of the people that were here before, they all lived a life. like one of and my, now they're here in their rest. One of
0: my favorite movies is the Dead Poets Society. And that was like one of the, like, the opening scenes with Robin Williams with his class. And he's like, hey, like these are all the people here before you. And they're all dead. And this is where you're all headed. So it's like make make the best of the moment that you have now. And I know that there's, a, there's an old poem called The Dash. I assume you guys are familiar with this, right? And I forget exactly how it goes. I'll paraphrase. But the idea is, you know, it's like when you go to see a, a gravestone, you see someone's name, you see the date they were born, you see the date that they die. You might see like a loving father or a, a blessed mother or uh, someone who gave, like you know, of themselves or whatever. You might see like a little blurb about a, kind of that person and kind of how they lived. You know, but what, what isn't represented there is the moment that's in between those two dates is that dash. There, there is a hyphen. There is a dash that's in between those two dates. And it's like, how will you define your dash? What will be meaningful to leave behind for others as you live your life? And that, that was a very powerful thing that stuck with me in my early 20s when I heard that. You know, the, the basic idea of like, what will you do with your dash? What will you leave as a legacy for others and how do you live a more meaningful life? Again, which is why I find Stoicism so appealing. Later in my life, is like I feel like I've lived like this, like a lot of my life, and I've learned these principles. But now it's like a philosophy mm-hmm. that I can actually study and learn and get better with, and not just the ideas that I've had in my head that I've kind of come up with from all the different things that I've seen or heard or read that makes sense to me
2: personally, which which is fun. But sorry, sorry to cut you off there. No, I mean that was kind of the the bulk of really what i was saying is just kind of an idea that i think we touched on earlier is it's like everyone is born and everyone dies so there is kind of an interesting bit of uh i don't know someone said something like death unites us all which is kind of a i don't know if it's a darker thought. it's definitely not all that cheery but it is kind of i don't know i find a little bit of like humor and like once you kind of accept that at some point you're going to die And you don't dwell on it as much, but you kind of keep it in mind. It's like it helps life feel a little more meaningful.
1: Yeah, without the finality of death, what purpose would life have?
2: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, if we all just lived forever, it's like I could waste five years and it wouldn't matter ultimately. Because it's like I could just somewhere later on when I'm 3,000 years old, it's like that would have been like a little blink of the eye. But if I only live to be 80 or 90, five years is actually a pretty decent chunk of time. And there's a lot that can be done in five years. So that later on, the five years were a worthwhile use of my time. So that's all I was. I think something I wanted to mention when we kind of touched on Memento or, or, uh, Mori was that story. Or I remember reading it somewhere and I thought, well, that's kind of, there is almost a little bit of like humor in that. I almost want to put myself in the shoes of the people that are reading that and kind of went like they read, read that and they went, huh kinda sat there and looked around and looked at the skulls or whatever and thought, Wow, that'll be me someday and then they kinda walked out and everything just looked differently.
0: But hopefully it gives them a purpose. And like like our colors seem brighter, food tastes better. like, Like their their relationships get stronger. Like like hopefully that leads them to enrich their lives and not be like in fear of their lives.
1: You're not worried about the bullshit. Yeah. It it cuts through all that. It helps you determine what is important and what is not. Yeah.
0: Like imagine, you know, not eating for a week, you know, and that first food you would have would probably be like the best food you've ever had in your life. Depends on the food.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Depends on the food.
0: Yeah. True story. (laughs) All right. Well, let's wrap this bitch up. This was a lot of fun. Uh, Preston, you have any
1: closing thoughts? I think a lot of people are lacking in a purpose or direction, at least in Western society. And you're not going to fill that with social media. You're not going to fill that with uh, materialistic things. And Dare
0: I say, those will actually make it worse.
1: Dare I say, it? yes. So I urge you, whether it's stoicism or something else, whether it be religion or something else, find something that helps guide the decisions that you make and ultimately the purpose you derive from your life. That's where I'll leave it. Worley,
2: closing thoughts? I think kind of to what you're saying with social media, we do live in an age when I feel like it's easier than ever to be distracted. I mean, just last night, I went out with a couple friends and as we were waiting for our burgers. And of course, they had like a couple TVs along the bar. And I'm sitting there with two friends that I really enjoy talking to and I couldn't help but just keep looking over. And it was baseball. And I'm not even a big baseball fan, but I just kept looking over. And I was annoyed with how I was getting distracted. And it kind of made me realize how easy it is to get distracted. And I think kind of to what you're saying with like social media and everything, people get distracted easily and it's very easy to stay distracted and it's kind of comfortable to be distracted because you can kind of just let yourself kind of go with that. We have to remember but, that these corporations spend
0: billions of dollars on advertising for a reason because it's fucking effective. Yeah. And when you're with people that you especially love and appreciate and you want to spend time with them which you don't see them very often, I'm a big believer in putting your phones away. Turning the TV off and just having a conversation. When's the last time you guys sat down with somebody for a couple of hours and just had a conversation with no phones, no interruptions, no nothing? It's like it's it's very uncommon. Even if you're just checking your text messages or I've got friends who are addicted to fucking Twitter. You know, I'll I'll be out with them. I'm like, dude, put your fucking phone away. It's like stop scrolling on Twitter. Like we'll make fun of guys after the gym who like scrolling through Instagram. Like, stop looking at butts. Like, stop <laughs> it. Like, be here, be present. You can fucking do that when you get home. And you're sitting alone doing nothing. Like scroll for butts then, I was like, be here, be, be present, be in the moment. And I, and I think that it's so new that we don't realize how harmful it's been. But now that I've been off of social media for a couple of years, I realize like I'm much happier without it. A Good example of this is a couple of weekends ago, like I had the boys over for poker, and one of the guys was like, hey, there's a big basketball game on. Can we watch it on TV? I'm like, no, because I don't have a TV in my basement for a reason. Like, I've got one upstairs because I enjoy watching TV. I enjoy watching movies. It's an art form that I love. I love movies. I love cinematography. I love watching camera angles and cuts and everything. I, I enjoy that. There's nothing wrong with getting lost in that. But it's also a distraction. And when we're here, when we're hanging out, we're playing poker, it's not about playing cards. It's not about winning or losing money. It's not about anything else. It's bullshitting and having a good time with your friends. Like, that's why we do it. So I don't want a fucking TV on down here where they're all going to be distracted watching TV instead of interacting with each other. Mm -hmm. You know, so like like, to me, that's a big thing because like I'm kind of trying to make like a little man cave down here, like in my studio. And I'm going to make like a little whiskey bar over there, make a little lounge here in the middle and have like a nice place to hang out. We got the dartboard hung up. I want to get a little putting green, have some activities to do and do that kind of stuff and make it a cool spot to hang out and have a good time. But for me, it's like, I want to get away from the phones. I want to get away from the TVs. I want to get away from all that kind of shit. And I think that it's good to kind of pull back from technology. It's the reason I've got a record player. Like, I don't want to have like stuff on my phone with ads playing all that kind of bullshit. Like, I want to just hear music. Mm-hmm. And I love music. Music to me is the universal language. No matter what, what they're saying or what's going on or whatever, what's happening. It's like everyone can appreciate good music. Yeah. You know,
2: so I, I 100% appreciate what you're saying there yeah it's just kind of i guess what i my kind of final remark i guess to that point would be in the kind of so-called age of information just be careful with what kind of information you're taking in and how much because not all information is relevant or even useful useful yeah so it's like you know i guess don't be afraid to be a little picky don't be afraid to be choosy it's like If you kind of have an idea with where you want to go and what you want to do with your life, don't get so caught up in every little thing, which is, I think most people, they would hear that and they say, yeah, of course, but it's easier said than done. I mean, it's like, how many times do I get annoyed when someone's like tailgating me and then they go around me and it's like, I got to just let that go. Little things like that, you know, it's not, you know, they're a bigger, bigger fish to fry basically. So absolutely. What I love about
0: also your kind of experience with stoicism as well which I think will be my, my big kind of takeaway here. As long as you're done. Are you good? No, I'm good. And uh, so I don't mean to cut you off again. No, you're Sorry. Oh, <laughs> you um, But the whole idea with that is like, I think these are principles that we can all put into our lives that can enrich it and make it better for so many different kind of ways. And what's what's great about that is like, it doesn't have to replace anything. It doesn't have to take away from anything. Like, like what you said with your religion. It's like to you, your, your religious um, endeavors are very important to you. It's a very big thing in your life. But you can also see stoicism as something that can add value. I can take little pieces of this. I can take little pieces of that. I don't have to just be rigid in this one thing. I'm allowed to sit down and think for myself, make up my own decisions and philosophies, and move forward with what I believe is best for myself the people around me and more importantly the universe yes it's like i like to put things out in the universe and it's like i'm gonna put it out there like if i just start saying things i believe that good things will come back and i believe if i give to others things will be given to me and i don't do it selfishly in order to get something i do it because it's the right thing to do and because i and i i love to do it and i love to have that kind of feeling maybe it's selfish you know it's like i like, I know we all like helping people doing whatever because it's like it gives you that great feeling. And maybe it's selfish, but it can help somebody else. And I, I've been watching a bunch of like Mr. Beast videos on YouTube. You guys mm-hmm. see Mr. Beast? I found him recently. And I've been watching a bunch of his videos. They're fucking stupid. Yeah. But they're fun. Mm-hmm. And what, what I really love is that you could tell he's really trying to give back. And yeah, he's making stupid videos because of the algorithm and his target audience and all that kind of stuff. And, and what does well on YouTube, I understand. But... The videos that I love are when he goes to like uh, a food store and he buys out the entire store. He buys literally everything in that store. You know, granted, he he makes it ahead of time where they they already know they're getting shipments. They're going to restock the shelves. They're doing that kind of stuff. Like he's not being irresponsible, obviously. But then they take that and give it to like a local food pantry and they feed, you know, thousands of people. And like that to me is so powerful. It's like you literally see people giving back. And I really believe that the universe is giving to him because he's giving back to others. And again, he's not doing it to get anything in return. He's doing it because it makes him happy and he gets to help other people. And I think that's the, the big thing we need to strive more for in our lives right now.
1: Well, dare I say that the, the feeling you get from giving back or helping somebody else is a part of that interne- interconnectedness in the universe. Yes. Where it makes you feel good. Because you are part of the universe and you – I would say you're required that it, that is part of living in harmony with nature.
0: And not to mention like most of those people like who you give to, they're more likely to give back themselves which creates a great cycle which helps other people just give out and will give more and more of themselves which creates better and better things instead of just take, 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 take everything from me.
1: Yep. Yeah. So I dig it. All right. Well, boyos, this was a lot – yes? One more thing. So if – you're interested in learning more about Stoicism. I would start with Preston the po- has a podcast. Listen to his no, podcast. Absolutely, not. <laughs> never going to happen. Uh, but I would start with the classics. You know, Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, Seneca. Start with the classics. And, um, and
0: again, like we were talking about, these are principles that you can apply in your life. They don't have to take over your entire governing philosophy of everything. Yeah.
1: And if you're not looking for dead philosophers, Ryan Holiday has done a great job of bringing their classic works without any twist or ulterior motive in putting that into a book. So check out Ryan Holiday if you're not interested in going back and reading or listening to meditations, although I highly recommend it.
0: Yeah, very cool. All right, well, Boyos, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. I'd say we'll do this again shortly, but you're moving. So we'll have to do it again when you come back. Yes. Uh, for sure. It'll be a lot of fun. Hopefully, you'll be willing to come back as well. Hopefully, Absolutely. you had some fun. Yeah. And uh, we will see you guys next time. Oh, shit, that was fun. It was good.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, well, that wraps up another great episode. It was definitely good to sit down with the boyos and talk about a lot of that kind of stuff, and obviously... We got a little sidetracked and went on tangents and did the things we always do in this podcast, which is always what happens. It's so funny because Preston was so worried about, what are we going to talk about? Should I should study back up on this. I should look into this. And, you know, Worley was doing the same thing. Like, oh, I need to reread some books real quick. And like, no, guys, 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 calm down. This isn't going to be like a, you know, uh, what do you, a socialism 101, like everything you need to know. Like, no, this is just your story, what it is, me being curious and asking questions. And it was definitely a good time. But uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that one. I I know that we definitely had a good time. And hopefully we'll have the Boyos back on soon. Obviously, uh, Preston's moving away, but we will get him back on the show whenever we can. If you guys are still listening, thank you so much for all of your support. It is really great to see the numbers growing. It's been a lot of fun. Because obviously I don't really do a lot of marketing or anything. I don't do social media or anything else right now. So it's just all about word of mouth mostly and, and what you guys are doing, sharing it yourselves. So please keep doing that. Talk about it with your friends, share it on social media, do all that kind of good stuff. And then please, 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 wherever you're listening to this, please go out and give it a five, the show, give the show a five-star review that really helps us get bumped up in all the algorithms and helps uh, new people find the show. And if you guys have any questions for any of us, any of our regular guests, please feel free to drop us a line. You can go to uncensoredhumanity.com. You can fill out the contact us form, or you can send us an email at uncensoredhumanitypodcast at gmail.com. Both of those will land in my inbox, and we will take a look at those and hopefully address those on a future episode. Well, that is all we have time for this week. Hopefully you guys enjoyed yourselves, because I know that I did. And uh, we'll see you guys next time on Uncensored Humanity.